Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 212 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Catching a lot of W's. Yeah. A lot of W's out here. Chelsea on a two-game win streak after we beat our, our new rivals in Brighton in the League Cup, and then Fulham didn't show up. Uh, Fantasy-wise, we didn't tell you guys. Evan and I went head-to-head in our Fantasy Prem League. Yep. Both of us top scorers, but I came out on top. Um, and the, my little guys, we squeaked a win in like the in the last minute of the game. Let's it go. Was absolute, absolute scenes. So yeah, we're we're it's been a great week. Ergie time. Absolutely. Oh, the I, kids after the game rush the field. Oh, I love to hear that. That's great. Kids are getting active. Oh, they're um, loving it. That's cool. All right. Um. Well, I suppose we will get into these games. Matt's on a bit of a time frame today. Um, so I will pull up my notes and we will go ahead and get right into it. While I do that, Matt, do you want to give, uh, our records from last week? Yeah. One of our down weeks, bit of a reality check. I led the bottom four and seven. It was coming sooner or later. Evan in the middle five and six. And then Zach after yesterday's Burnley win went six and five. So overall, Evan, you're at 38 and 32. Zach's 43, 27. I'm 45 and 25. So we're all still positive, which is good to see. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's that's really all we can hope for. Um, okay. We'll get right into these games. Um, first game of the week was Aston Villa 6, Brighton 1. Bit of a surprise here. But Villa, I thought, started really brightly uh, against this Brighton side who were coming off a League Cup defeat. Um Against Chelsea. In the 13th minute, uh, McGinn played a ball wide to Cash, who squared it across the box to a waiting Ollie Watkins, who was just in a perfect spot. In the 20th, Diaby played a excellent through ball to a waiting Ollie Watkins again, uh, who played it in to the edge of the area. He beat Veltman, faked right, and finished near post past Steele, who was just flat-footed. Uh, not great contact on this one, but the placement was just perfect, so... Rolled into the back of the net. In the 25th, Digne set up Diaby, who blasted it right at steel. The deflection fell right back to Diaby, who fired it again at the net. Ball bounced off of Stupignon, who was in the way, and into the back of the net. Unfortunately, does not count as a goal uh, for Diaby, uh, who was on my fantasy team. I don't think it would have mattered this week. Matt had Watkins, so uh, just just wasn't really going to do it for me. And then in the 49th, after halftime, the ball fell to substitute Ansu Fati on the edge of the six-yard box after a bit of a scramble, and he finished calmly to make it 3-1. In the 64th, a lot of goals on this one, Watkins fired another shot at steal. The ball deflected off of the defender and then over the keeper. Uh, This was Watkins' first league hat-trick on the year, but his second total hat-trick in all comps in September. In the 85th, Jacob Ramsey made it five after Watkins played him a ball on the edge of the area. He contorted his body and hit a curling finesse at the right post where it hit the inside and rolled directly to the back of the net. Crispy little finish there from Mr. Ramsey. And then in the 97th at the death, Watkins failed to convert for his fourth on a breakaway, firing it directly at Steele. But the ball fell to a trailing Douglas Louise, who picked his spot and beat an out-of-position keeper for the sixth goal on the day. Overall, Brighton just unable to cope with Villa's forward play, genuinely just as poor as could be in defense. Emery's boys were clinical and really stepped on the second-chance finishes. You have to give Villa credit for this. This was very impressive stuff and very, very tenacious uh, attacking play from Villa. I was most uh, surprised, well, not surprised isn't the word, but 
Um, happy to see that Brighton's struggling with that, the fixture congestion now after their Thursday night games. The Deserbi's coming out and saying that's too many games. He's joining the Klopp and Pep with those boys on that. But yeah, they just he's making four or five changes every game, and sooner or later, like one of these results is going to happen because these guys don't have as much chemistry. He switched four or five guys every match. He has a couple injuries now. He rotates the goalies every two games. Like it's going to happen, and Villa just had that opportunity on the day, and it just absolutely bashed him in the face. So. I don't know if this is going to... Because we saw this at the end of last year. Everton got a big result at the beginning of this year. West Ham got a big result over Brighton. Mm. So I think this is the ultimate reason was what's going to hold them back from finishing in that like top five, six area. It's yeah. just it's just too many too many changes to the team. And the guys coming aren't the highest of quality as compared to the bigger clubs like Arsenal and City and, and Liverpool. So um, big result on the day. Helped me a lot, obviously, for for other reasons. But... Yeah, it's good to see Ramsey got a goal because he's been battling uh, injury issues all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, not too much. It's just Phil is a hard team to predict sometimes because of the inconsistency of Ollie Watkins up front. But now he's got get goals in multiple games now back-to-back. His first second-hand trick on the year in all comps. So, yeah, they're looking good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to an EFL Cup rematch from earlier on in the week at Old Trafford. Uh, This was Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Palace going back to Trafford after being there uh, earlier this week. This one went the other way, though. United won the first one 3-0. This one goes Palace's way 1-0. Palace started brightly, but United had the first real chance of the game in the 11th minute when Hoyland got loose and attempted to chip a rushing Sam Johnston. Fortunately for Palace, Tyrick Mitchell was there to clear the danger before it crossed the goal line. In the 25th minute, a seemingly scuffed free kick from Eberichi Eza on the right flank found its way to defender Joachim Anderson, who calmly contorted his body and first time rocketed the ball into the top right corner. Not a goal you see often from a defender, but this was an absolute belter. Magnificent finish from him. Uh, In the 55th, Bruno fired an absolute screamer to the top left of the goal, but Sam Johnston did very, very well to turn it away. He's looked great the past two weeks. In the 62nd, uh, Hughes ripped one after Dalla was dispossessed, but it went right at Onana. Nothing doing there. And then in the 73rd, a double deflection off of two Crystal Palace defenders Almost fell into the back of the net after Mason Mount stole the ball away from a defender, countering the run of play. Unfortunately for United, the ball skidded out of bounds and out of danger. Rashford probably should have done better to turn it in, but he just was not in the right spot, which has been a continual theme this year. Uh, And then in the 84th, of course, Hoyland ruined a golden opportunity after the ball fell to him at the penalty marker. He simply fell over instead of putting his boot on the ball. This guy just does not move me whatsoever. Of course, he did score two goals yesterday in the loss against Gala in the Champions League, but he seems to lack coordination. Uh, Abysmal performance from this United side in general, and a well-worked three points from Palace, who didn't threaten much, but defended well enough to take all of the spoils. Yeah, just one moment of class from Palace, and it gets the job done, unfortunately, for United's sake, but... They're battling injuries. They're trying to get points wherever they can, and luck is just not on their side now. They're in tenth position, four losses in their first seven matches, which I don't think's ever happened before, if not in the last thirty years. But yeah, it's looking really bad. They've scored just as many goals as Chelsea, which is really bad as well. Um, but yeah, it's just too many issues with the club on and off the pitch. 
both with players not co- uh, coordinating with the manager, with their style, um, allegations, and then your your star striker coming in is 20 years old. You're bringing them off of scoring eight goals last year in the Italian league. Like, it's hard to find good talent nowadays and uh, to cultivate it. So, last year they they rode rode the coattails of Rashford with his 30 goal season, which is his career best. But it doesn't look like it's going to be like that anymore anytime soon. And teams like Palace, the the average team in the league, is getting better and better. And you're having less room to to or less leeway to get results over them. So. This is what happens. Um, I don't know what this is for Ten Hag after the Champions League loss as well. Mm. Um, maybe soon to be on the hot seat. They have the match against Brentford this weekend before the international break, and a loss there at home again would spell for trouble and speculations over the next two weeks until their next match. Yeah, I had. Um, I actually had some things picked out to tell you like some stats about ten hog but i've seemingly lost them so i'll have to save those but maybe i'll tweet them out on the uh tweet them out on the regular yeah you you and a few of the lads got a big agenda against anything united i mean they just they're like spoiling what could have been a decent season and i think i picked them to be better this year and they haven't been so it's pissing me off a little bit um all right i think we both had them top four maybe yeah, I just don't see that at this point. Uh, let's move on. Newcastle versus Burnley. Burnley went to St. James Park to look for a couple of points, uh, seal them from a soaring Newcastle side. In the third minute, Dan Burns slips and was unable to receive a pass. Awaiting Kaliyasho picked the ball up instead and goes right in on net. Dan Burns caught up, but Kaliyasho was able to square it to Amduni, who was on his left, who then turned it onto net. But unfortunately for him, Nick Pope is a big lad and made himself bigger to stop the Amduni strike with his leg. This probably should have been a goal for Burnley, uh, and they probably would have had it against any other keeper in the league. But unfortunately, Berga got the ball off the rebound, uh, blew it wide. So super unlucky there. In the 13th, Trippier nicked the ball from Ramsey and played it to Almiron, who fired an absolute belter into the top left corner. Brilliant left-footed finish and excellent tenacity from Trippier to get the ball. Uh, Almiron with a truly perfect placement to take a 1-0 lead from a very brightly starting Burnley. Uh, In the 26th, Isak blew a chance after beating the keeper to a through ball from Bruno Guimaraes. The ball bounced after initial contact with Trafford, but Isak couldn't decide if he wanted to turn his body into the ball or away. Uh, This was a perfect chance for a side bike, but he bumbled this one. Should have been 2-0 here. In the 34th, Longstaff played a lovely cross after Trippier played him through with an excellent threaded pass. The cross finds a streaking Anthony Gordon, who puts a great diving header effort on it. Trafford does excellently to get some body on the ball, and it bounces towards the goal line anyway. Thankfully, a Burnley defender was there to clear away the danger. And then in the 74th, this sealed things up. Thomas Bramall awarded a penalty after Dekeel brought Gordon down in the area. After going to VAR, it was confirmed as a penalty, and we'll get to VAR later after they checked the buildup. Isak finished the penalty calmly, and it was wrapped from here. I think Burnley like genuinely got hard done by in the early stages of the game. Could have seen a draw off him. Dooney beat Pope uh, early on. This was definitely a better game from Burnley. I think company's men might be adjusting to life in the Prem. Uh, and it, honestly, after this, just a 2-0 loss against uh, against Newcastle, who scored eight past Sheffield last week, I, I'm definitely slightly less worried about them than I was uh, within the first two or three weeks. And they were missing their their main striker and Lyle Foster. It was his last suspended game he had to miss from the 
previous fixture we picked up a red. Um, yeah, they did as much as they could. Traveling to St. James is one of the toughest places to go in the league to a Newcastle team that's soaring now when the fixtures turn in their favor and uh, not doing too bad in the Champions League as well. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't really going to be in their favor at, the, at, at all, really. And it's tough for company now. After their Tuesday game, they picked up their first win. We'll get to, but still sitting in the relegation battle. It's they're, Out of the three teams, I would feel comfortable saying they're the most comfortable, I guess. Um, what's the word? Relative to those teams that came up with them. And, yeah, it's just Newcastle, too much quality when you have the the exchange of Isak or Wilson up front, you're you're doomed. Gordon's form is soaring right now. The back line is looking stronger. Pope's actually doing his job. And then uh, Miggy out on the right is scoring a couple of goals, which he did last year. So it's a chalk, chalk result for Eddie Howe after talk to him, potential from us specifically, not maybe being the guy long term. And I don't know. I don't know what the timetable is for company here. When things start heating up, is it the end of the month in October, or like what? Like how many how many more bad results do you think he, that's in him, or do you think he's untouchable? No, I think he's untouchable. I don't. I I don't think that they they get rid of him. Yeah, but I would think out of the three teams, they're the ones that are, are going to try to be like we have to stay up. I mean, they all want to stay up, but yeah, they have the best chance. And I feel like if it's not going their way by Christmas, they have to change something, don't they? Yeah, I mean maybe, but I don't know who's out there to swap in. Like I just I just can't see them Grand after Potter. No, dude. There's no <laughs> way Grand Potter would take the downgrade. He's probably in Ibiza just like chilling, dude. There's no way he's gonna come back. Um I don't think there's anything he can do with this side in general. I, I think Burnley will get going. It's just gonna take a minute. And I I genuinely think like company is a good manager. He's a good manager. There's no way um that after the way that they they played last season that they just can him i just can't see it because it would probably put an end to his managerial career or at least severely delay his development i mean the, to be honest with you he's probably the next city manager if he does a decent job with this burnley side um yeah i, I don't know i just i don't think i can see it i think he he sticks it out i think they they get a decent run of form around christmas and uh find their way into mid table you know they're not going to be a world beater but um I don't see them going down. I think um, I don't know if I had them going down. Honestly, at, at the no. beginning of the year, I don't think I did. But we both had them finishing twelfth. Yeah, I think I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at this point. The bottom of the table is pretty clumped up. Still, I think there's plenty of time. Yeah, he, you said he's untouchable. His his FC card is also cracked. Oh, his FC card is absolutely unbelievable. Okay, mm-hmm. let's move to company's old team. Manchester City. This was a shocking defeat for City at the Molyneux. Praise be to Allah, we have finally seen a loss. In the 11th minute, an unreal hard-working run from Pedro Neto find him, or found him spinning down the right flank. Uh, he worked his way all the way into the box, and Wolves lift off after his shot bounces off of Ruben Diaz and into the net past Ederson. This was world-class wing play from Neto. Uh, lovely stuff. Then it was quiet for a bit. In the 56th minute, Jao Gomez pulled Oscar Bob down on the edge of the area, and Alvarez took the kick. Absolute banger. Straight into the top left. Jose Sa was caught out and thought it was going far right, but no. Alvarez made no mistake, curled it into the top left. Fabulous free kick. 
In the 65th, Kilman saved Wolves on the line. In the 66th, a minute later, Wolves regained the lead through the man who Pep called the Korean guy. After a scrum in the box, Hwang Hee Chan found himself on the end of a Cunha pass and finishes past Walker, who was standing on the line, acting as the keeper. In the 74th minute, Calvin Phillips tried to sneak one in, but blew it wide from the edge of the box. In the 82nd, Walker tried from distance, but fired it low at the keeper. And then in the 93rd, Phillips blows it over the bar, and it's all over for City. A lovely win for Wolves at home against the treble winners and current league leaders. Shout out Gary O'Neill. I needed this so badly. How much of this result was due to Man City's midfield? All of it. Not having Rodri, not having KDB. This team is beatable uh, with no steady players in the midfield. Uh, I know KDB stays mostly up top. Uh, but we have to say Rodri, you know, not being in there and instead having Calvin Phillips, who just looks a little bit out of place is, is a huge issue. And I, I also, I think a lot of it outside of the, the midfield stuff, Holland got bottled up by Kilman and Dawson. Like he had 10 touches and I think one shot. That's crazy. That is not an Erling Holland, you know, uh, involvement stat line. That's craziness. And Wolves, yeah. they just bottled him up. When there's less to worry about, when you don't have to cover uh, KDB, you can focus on, uh, on on Mr. Holland. And I think this is this is very much a blueprint for how to defeat City. You have to take your chances on the counter and when it's messy in the box, for sure. And Wolves were able to do that. Um, but if you can trap Holland... The rest of the player, it really comes down to Alvarez and, and Bernardo Silva to, to complete the rest of the uh, you know offensive uh, duties, and they couldn't do it. So this is this was a good win from Wolves. I think they were tenacious, and uh, I think they definitely deserved all three points because City didn't take the chances they had, and at the end they just got desperate and were firing shots at the goal. Yeah, Holland's totaled to have fifteen touches the entire game. Ederson had eighteen. Yeah. That's, yeah. So shout out Gary O'Neill. Big win. That's their second win of the year. Gets them out of the drop zone. There's seven points there. Uh, only three behind the top 10. So yeah, turnaround here. We know they're due for a couple of these results, but still, um, they're not going to be consistent. Yep. Uh, okay. Arsenal versus Bournemouth. And our Tetsa Ball Masterclass for Arsenal. In the 16th minute, a now-injured Bukayo Saka found himself unmarked on the edge of the area after a lovely bit of positive play that included Saka himself and Ketia Odegaard and Gabriel Jesus. Jesus headed off the bar. It funneled back to the 6th, and Saka headed it in. He was never missing from there. In the 41st, Max Ahrens brought down Enkedia, and a penalty was awarded. Not a good challenge, as he was just behind the play and was seemingly feeling pretty desperate. Uh, zero contact with the ball. Saka stepped up to the penalty, but decided to give the ball to Odegaard, who coolly passed the ball to the left side of the net. 2-0 at halftime for the mighty Arsenal. In the 51st, just 10 minutes later, Odegaard was brought down by Ryan Christie. After a bit of panic in the box, the lads decided to give the ball to none other than Kai Havertz so that he could score his first goal. Bit of a make-a-wish situation here, which is kind of yeah. sad, but it was nice to see that he matters to the rest of the team. Uh, heart heartwarming moment for a supporter, I suppose, but makes you think about how Havertz feels uh, being treated this way. 
In the 89, Smith Rowe pushed the ball wide after Senesi fouled Jesus and it wasn't called. Jesus gets it to Nelson and then Nelson plays the ESR, but he can't finish uh, after being through on net. In the 92nd, Odegaard played a peach of a free kick into the box. Ben White leaped to the ball and helped it into the net past Neto. Well done from the lads on the day. Very poor defending from Bournemouth the whole way through, but Arsenal were very complete in their play. Yeah, simple result. Get the job done. Move on to the next one. Uh, Bournemouth still without a win. One of only two teams now in the league that don't have a win yet. How much time are we giving Rayola? Their next three fixtures are they need to get, get points because they, uh, they're they at Everton and then they host Wolves and Burnley. And then after that, they played Liverpool and City. So um, how much time are we giving Raiola here or E-Raiola? I mean, Burnley is the only fixture that's probably winnable. The other two seem very tough. Everton? Oh, I'm sorry. They have Everton as well. I, I misheard you. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely can beat them. <laughs> excuse me as well then um yeah i i guess they'll probably give them another i i would say five or six weeks uh they gotta take some points they gotta definitely get a win uh against one of burnley and everton they're currently in 19th on three points uh i think they just have three draws that's their best results so uh they gotta do something here because now luton and everton uh are above them but i don't necessarily they seem pretty keen on bringing Iriola in, and he is a good player. So, or not a good player, good manager. Uh, I think he sticks around for at least another month and a half, maybe two months. If it's not looking good from there, and they're still in the bottom three, I would imagine uh, maybe a managerial changes in play. But a team like Burn or Bournemouth, uh, they're gonna probably just have to promote within and have like an interim manager. I don't think they attract anybody else. I just think it's too hard for some Spanish managers to come in with that their style yeah. uh, with a lower-level team and try to operate with that because I think it works well with the bigger teams. You've seen with Pep and Arteta, uh, Benitez for times there at Liverpool in the past, but I don't think with these smaller clubs you can get away with that as much because the depth and quality isn't there as much. And We saw them have a lot of deadline moves, so maybe squad rotation is on a lot of players' minds. There's maybe a bit of inconsistency. They've only scored one goal in their last three, and it all heavily relies on Solanke up top. And if mm-hmm. just similar to when we're talking about Holland and City, if you bottle him up, uh, the goals dry out a lot. And still, their defense they improved it a little bit, but still, it's it's new and young and a lot of inexperienced players in the league. So, and they brought in Max Aarons, who's a serial relegation player with Norwich all the time. So, I mean, a lot of these guys don't know really know how what it takes to to win and be winners. So they're, they're used to being down there in the bottom. But sooner or later, I think they get that first win, things will turn. But um, this weekend at Everton should be one they aim to get three. And then Arsenal, dealing with a lot of injuries now, going into a Man City game where it's do or die. Because uh, if you guys win, you'll jump to the top. And yeah, I think the Havertz goal was nice for him. A little confidence boost. Um, I'm not too sure why they keep rotating the penalty takers. That's three different penalty takers we've seen in Saka, Odegaard, and Havertz. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like it should be the same guy every time. Probably, but Saka's had some trouble. Um, I mean, he's been good. I think he scored every penalty. In the, maybe he's missed one penalty in the league this year, but um, yeah, I, Arsenal get a lot of penalties is the thing. So... And Ketty's got like three penalties drawn. Yeah, I think 
Odegaard's probably the right thing, but in a game like this where not all that much is on the line, like yeah, the pen was to make it three. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really see it to be that much of an issue. But I agree, I do think it should be one person. Uh, and what about the goalie stuff? Fry is now getting a run in the team. Rambo's yeah, on the side. Yeah. All right. Are we thinking he's going to switch him like every five games, or do you think Rye is his guy now? I think Rye is kind of the guy. Um, we are in the Champions League. We fucking lost to Lens yesterday, which is a problem. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I, I think he likes uh, Rye better. Rye makes less mistakes. I don't think he's as good in net. I mean, he's made some some very solid saves, but I think Ramsdale moves around better. He's quicker. Uh, his reactions are definitely higher, but I I don't know if I have all that much of an issue with it. People are really like Arsenal fans are are very um, outspoken about this issue. I don't really care as long as we're getting the results. I don't. I genuinely don't give a fuck who is in the net. Um, Raya's on loan, so we're just paying wages. It's not like we, you know, we have both of them. Um, we paid a ton of money for both of them, so. Whatever, whoever is better in training, fucking start them. I mean, I don't think we were terrible with Ramsdale. I don't think we've been terrible with Raya. Um, you think it's like an English biased because we saw this when they brought Ramsdale in to replace Leno. You had two first choice keepers there. Nobody really bickered there. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's because like a lot of the media over there, they're favoring Ramsdale, maybe subconsciously thinking like he should because he's like pushing the England one. Yeah. And then the, this guy comes in. Yeah, I mean, I it's, think... a bold, it's a bold decision from Arteta. He's trying to do whatever it takes to win. Like, you guys got so close last year, so he's trying to do everything he can. I, I appreciate that. I think you have to tra- you have to use whoever is the best in training. And the more depth you have, the better. What happens if a goalkeeper gets injured? Then you, you can put the other guy back in. Like, I don't think there's a lot of teams that have two really solid first-choice keepers like this. It's very rare to see that. Um, I'm trying to think back, like, I couldn't even name you a team that has had two two keepers that you could just interchange that are that are really solid like this in a long time. It's been quite a while. Um, there were Chelsea. Chelsea had Courtois and Czech towards the end. That's true, and Czech kind of stepped back right into like a. Um, yeah, that was towards the end. Then he went to Arsenal. And then he came to Arsenal, right? And even then, I mean, we had two keepers that we could have used, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I don't. I haven't even thought about it genuinely. Like everybody is talking about it, but whoever it's not, you just care about the players. I just care about the result. I I don't care who's in net. I mean, we defend well enough that the keeper, it's not like, you know, we're, um, um, shit team, like, like Brentford right now, or even down. You guys are undefeated. Exactly. Down, down to like Brighton or even United where the defense is terrible right now. And, the keeper has to do a ton of work. I mean, United don't even have uh, a a first choice keeper that's decent. So for us yeah. to have two, like I'm just counting myself as lucky. I guess that's my my final uh, answer to that question. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's move on. West Ham two, Sheffield United nil. A comfy two zero for the Irons against the Blades. The bubbles were blowing early. In the fifth minute, Jared Bowen nicked the ball on the touchline, then played it across to Suchek, who lifted it over the bar. Could have been 1-0 here. In the 11th, there was a great block from Aguerd to deny Sheffield. In the 14th, uh, there was a scramble on the box after a great Bowen header. Sheffield survived with two goal line clearances in the scrum. And then in the 23rd, 
Um, excellent link up play in the center, found Kufal on the right flank where he played a ball into Bowen who cut back and finished nicely past Wes Fodderingham. Beautiful build up and very nice finish here. First goal at home for Bowen on the year. A couple minutes later, Antonio fired wide in the 36th. A failed clearance wound up at the feet of a West Ham defender who played the ball into Antonio. Antonio calmly touched the ball to Suchek, who finished nicely 2-0. Uh, then in the 38th, McBurney fired it wide. And then West Ham genuinely were the only team to threaten from here on out. Sheffield had next to zero positive play and just did not seem up to the task. Uh, they made West Ham look world-class with the amount of defensive pressure they put on them. This is the first time I've seen West Ham enjoy most of the possession and not struggle to make chances. They are a team that is just better not holding the ball and are better on the counter instead. Um, at this point, Sheffield United now have a whopping 10 goals against in their last two matches in the league. That is a huge yikes. Uh, things are not looking great at Sheffield right now. They are currently bottom of the league with one point uh, in 20th. Two points behind Bournemouth and three points behind Burnley. It's looking ever more likely that Sheffield are going to be definitely one of the teams to go down. When you look at their transfer business, they didn't really bring in too much quality that was going to get them over the line. Not um, It ultimately started when they started selling their top talent in Elamadai and then Sander Berga to a a fellow promoted team yeah. so i mean you're getting rid of your key players right at the rip i don't that's i think that's a terrible um move behind the scenes and it results into the on-field performances here they're really struggling to score goals uh they're coming they just came off that eight nil thumping to newcastle um they had a bright spot there with archer scoring in the everton game but now it's a bit of reality check not too much leadership going on there. The players they brought in were young. Fodder, Fodderingham has been their main guy. He's turned out to be a superstar in goal, keeping them in as much as he can. Similar to how Ramsdale was when he got the Sheffield team to a top 10 finish. Um, it's what they have to rely on. They have to rely on their set pieces and getting one nil wins and just limping their way through. But yet to, yet to be seen. And for West Ham, they're flying seventh right now. 4-1-2. and two. They've scored 13 goals, which is in the top half. It's really good. And this team runs through JWP. He's playing at the 10. Southampton, we saw him play in more of an, a 6 or 8 role at times. But the 10 is his calling. He's leading the team in key passes uh, and pass attempts in the final third. He's just the driving force for them and a set-piece god. So it's a new look. We thought they'd be limping after Rice, but they're actually soaring so it's looking great i don't know if west ham's a solid team to watch and you can consistently see them and think and be confident in that they're going to get a result yeah for sure uh okay let's go to another bottom of the table uh disaster class everton versus luton luton went Ooh. to mercy side to attempt to gain some away points and they did First 20 minutes were very quiet, but in the 23rd, Tom Lockyer scored after Morris hit the crossbar off a corner that was crossed in. Great save from Pickford, but the ball came out and fell to Lockyer. Uh, that's a goal for him. In the 31st, Luton added a second after a lovely ball came in from a free kick to Carlton Morris. He was off the shoulder of Mikalenko, and nobody was guarding Luton's only goal threat. Uh, great guiding finish past Pickford 2-0 within the first half an hour. 
nine minutes later in the 40th, DCL scored in a gross little scrum in the area. Onana was yanked down and couldn't finish the ball, which was played in from the edge of the area in the air from James Garner. Um, this was kind of a gnarly goal, but Garner did play a really nice ball in, so credit to him two weeks in a row playing really, really well. Ducure missed the initial finish after beating the keeper, but thankfully DCL was there to poach and finish. In the 91st, which was really the only chance after that goal in the 40th, DCL hit the side netting after a nice ball was played in from the uh, flank. Too little, too late, just not accurate enough from the number nine. This was a very slow game from Everton, and fortunately the Hatters were able to get their first three points, and in a way three points at that. Everton have now lost all four home games this season. Uh, They may need to knock Goodison Park down. This is extremely troubling, their form at home. And it's a trend that's kind of continuing uh, from last season where they were much better away from home than they were at home. There's something about their home ground that just freaks them out. It's cursed or something. The fans, I I think maybe it's the pressure. I don't know. It's just... As soon as it starts, it's it unravels and things just don't go their way until they absolutely must get three points to, for safety. Luton, they scored the goals the way we thought they would. Set pieces, scrummy, scrappy, not the prettiest, but it gets the job done. And three points is all that matters to Rob Edwards and the lads. Yeah. Uh, DCL getting one back off of our decision and could have had a second, but... Yeah, they're still trying to gel together. They have a lot of attacking options. Sean Dice just having an issue for one of the first times in his career with multiple top quality op- options for him uh, to pick up front. Uh, we all know DCL is going to eventually get injured again, so Beto or Dan Juma is going to have to step up. But they just need to find a way to get through the first half clean. They're, they're leaking early goals here, especially at home. They've only scored once in the four games that you mentioned that they all lost. This was the only goal that this was the first goal they scored at home in the league this year. So need to find some consistency. And we talked about their their hosting Bournemouth this weekend, which is a similar matchup to this Luton team. Bournemouth they play that that more tiki taka free flow style than Luton's robust route one ball. So we'll see if Everton can play on the counter there, but. They have to earn three three points at home sooner or later because um, having a terrible run at home is ultimately going to get you relegated. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move on. This week's VAR, devast, uh, bar, VAR disaster class Boogaloo went down at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Liverpool went to play Tottenham. Both teams started very brightly and it seemed like it'd be a battle from the off. In the 12th minute, Vicario showed that he was up to the task when he made two absolutely stunning saves on Gakpo and Robertson after Diaz played the ball into the area. Gakpo put a great boot on it after contorting his body, but it unfortunately fell right to Vicario. Same thing from Robertson right after, and Vicario kept his hand strong to block both of them. Very good play in the buildup from Liverpool, and well done to pick Diaz out on the flank, but in the 18th, uh, Pepe Sar does well to get down and block an effort from the aforementioned Diaz. In the 23rd, this is where things started to break down. Curtis Jones made a hasty tackle and was awarded a yellow card from Simon Hooper. Then it went to VAR. Uh, the guy hit the ball first. He was just stretching for it, and he rolled over onto Basuma's ankle. The yellow card was taken away, and then he's given a card that matches the color of his shirt. Curtis Jones given his marching orders in what feels like a very, very harsh red card. Uh, this is where the ref show began. 
in the 29th minute. Madison ripped one after beating Van Dyke to the left side, but he just did not hit it hard enough uh, or high enough to get past Allison. And then in the 33rd, we had the most putrid disaster class VAR offsides call I've ever seen. Luis Diaz was onside, absolutely onside, when he received the ball from Mo Salah on the flank. He did well to take a touch and then finish wide past Vicario, but it was taken away. Uh, let's talk about what actually happened. I'm briefed on the situation. Have you listened to the PG uh, PGML stuff or no? Did you see the video? Yeah, I heard it yesterday. Okay, so complete disaster, right? But not VAR, human error. It just co it came down to the terminology when um, they're checking it. They, they asked for the 2D line, uh, and then the the one guy said it's good. Meaning in his in his mind, it's it's off. It's on sides. He's good. He's good for the goal. And uh, the the assistant VAR or the fourth official there at the field or whatever believed he thought. Yep, offsides confirmed. So it's just a miscommunication. They need to be clear in their dialogue saying uh, he's on sides. That's a good goal. Instead of yep, that's good. You just got to be very clear because things get carried away. And as soon as the match restarted, they were like, no, 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 no. Like he's on sides. And then. By, for the bylaws with VAR, he, the official can't stop the game. So I think their solution they're trying to do is maybe having a direct connection to the on-field official. Yeah. Um, officiate the center ref officiating to make him stop the match so they can bypass the fourth official. So I don't know. It, it, you have to have this happen once for it to never happen again. Unfortunately for Liverpool, it was them. Uh, and uh, they're making a big fuss about it, which I'm sure this will cost them in the long run, but it's happened to multiple other teams. Yep. Uh, we saw this with Arsenal last year. year. We saw this with Chelsea with the hair tug on Cucurella, and uh -huh. then ultimately Harry Kane got it. Like We've seen this happen multiple times to all the big teams and, and the other teams as well. So, And it seems like England's the only one that has these massive fiascos um, with it being an issue. So it's not a VAR problem. It's an England Premier League problem. They need to just make clear on the dialogue and just clean it up. I mean, it's too, it's happening too many times every week. It's an issue. Yeah. Um, two minutes later in the 35th Spurs scored the opener when Madison found Richarlison breaking down the left side of the area. Richarlison received and tapped deftly to Sun, who was open in the center. Sun finished past Allison, who couldn't do anything in the situation. One nil Spurs, very smooth goal. In the 42nd, Richarlison beat Allison but hit the post. And then in the 49th, uh, Soboslai lifted a lovely ball onto the end line where he found Van Dyke. strangely. Uh, he headed into the center of the box where Gakpo used his body to shield and twist and turn and put his laces through the ball. This was an extremely tough body position to score from, but he did excellently. Unfortunately, he was injured on the play and tweaked the ever-living fuck out of his knee because of the way he had to move his body. Anything for the goal, I suppose. Then a minute later, Udogi found Son, who fired a volley as hard as humanly possible at the Liverpool net. Allison did very well to get to it and lifted it over the bar in a jumping effort. Uh, a couple minutes later, Jota was awarded a second yellow, uh, and Liverpool have to see out the remaining 20 minutes of the game with just nine players. Not a lot of contact here, really. Was just desperate and foolish. Definitely worth a yellow card, but... Uh, not something you want to see. You don't want to play the last 20 minutes with nine men, especially when you're trying to defend a draw. And then at the last gasp, Poro played a ball in from the flank. It was in such a bad area. And unfortunately, 
Joel Matip was just in the wrong spot at the wrong time and turned it into his own net. Spurs celebrate like they won the World Cup, and you have to feel bad for Matip here. All three go to Spurs, but even as a Liverpool hater like myself, you do not like to see a nine-man game lost on an own goal after all of the hard work they did to stay in it. Plus, it would have put Arsenal in solo second. Uh, this is pain for Klopp and his mob and joy for Spurs fans worldwide. Yeah, Tottenham and Arsenal are now the only two undefeated teams left. No losses on the resume. Yeah, a point here would have been a victory for Klopp and Liverpool. Uh, with Tottenham playing the way they are, it's really tough. And Ange Ball is for real. They're, they're doing it against the big boys. They're doing it against the lower boys. Like, it's for real. Um, and they haven't been exposed yet. I'm sure in a couple weeks we're going to see them get exposed finally, but... As long as Madison and Son are fit, it's it's going to be positive moving forward. Basuma's a new man in the middle of the park. He is a man flying on cloud nine with his confidence at an all-time high. The, the back line's looking good. And Vicario's turned out to be a solid goalkeeper signing on the low. Um, so yeah, and they're one of the few teams still that hasn't caught the injury bug yet. We see James Madison's always a on the injury report every week with a bit of a knee issue. And uh, besides him, everybody else is pretty good. I like Adogi at left back. He's been a revelation for them. Yeah, he's awesome. The fact that he's only 20 years old is incredible, and he plays like a top veteran. So, yeah, I like watching Tottenham play. Liverpool's a great team to watch, but they got handicapped heavily here. And with the injuries to Gakpo and, and suspension to Jota, they're limited. They have limited options now, having to play Brighton this weekend. So they're going to have to go Salah, Diaz, and Nunes up front. For sure. Okay, let's move on. Fulham, Chelsea. Chelsea easily defeat. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Uh, Nottingham versus Brentford. Uh, a relatively quiet first half ended nil and nil before the game really got started. Wissa and Jensen were denied at the end uh, by Turner. But and then in the 51st, a near howler by Matt Turner in which he gave the ball away to Wissa. Wissa couldn't get enough on it after stealing the ball away from Bergen County Buffon. And thankfully, someone was there to clear Turner's line. In the 52nd, another red card. Niakate was awarded uh, a red after a horrific tackle on Wissa. It was given a second yellow and sent off. And then in the same minute, Norgard gets on the end of a nice free kick and it goes right past Turner, who probably could have done better to get onto it in the end. Uh, in the 64th, Toffolo made a lovely delivery into the box to Dominguez, who rose up and threaded the needle with his head to finish past the Brentford keeper. This was an excellent football uh, display that all stemmed from Morgan Gibbs-White, who started the game on the bench. Good sub here. Uh, unfortunately, these were all the goals that were scored. Brentford were brighter towards the end of the game, and another could have gone in if Murillo didn't save Turner in the 96 with a clearance. Uh, Willie Bolly also got in the way of a Mopai shot in the 103rd. Turner did not have a good game, but thankfully for Nottingham Forest, his defense bailed him out enough to get a point. Tough result for Brentford here, their fourth draw on the season. Scoring 10, giving up 10. They're sitting 14th at the moment. Uh, winless in their last five. Forest, it's a solid point. Keeps them there in 12th on eight points. They're winless in their last three. Morgan Gibbs-White not starting was a bit of an, a question mark for me. There, he's gone with the Dominguez guy who did score here, so it was a good pick. But you need Gibbs-White out there. He's their main guy from last year to this year. We're seeing the integration of Hudson-Odoi and Alanga on the wings. Now that Steve Cooper's got 
Premier League quality guys out there who have shown they could do it at the top level. We're, we'll see how long that lasts. Awanyi is now going on a, a dry spell here for them, and it's showing in, in their results. When he can't score, it's holding them back from winning games. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a fair result. Both teams probably going to be mid-table. Forest better than last year, being uh, relegation survivors. Brentford trying to push for a top 10 finish again. But until Tony comes back, it's looking like an issue for them. Now that uh, Visa and Buemo's goals have dried up too as well. Yeah. And besides them, they don't really have too much besides uh, Jensen, who's having a great year so far as their creative player, filling that Ericsson role. So yeah, nothing too much, but the both clubs look mid at the moment and should probably be that the rest of the season. Uh, and then Fulham versus Chelsea. Chelsea easily defeated an unimpressive Fulham side away at Craven Cottage. Uh, the biggest underachievers in the league started brightly when Broya beat two defenders and the keeper just for him to agonizingly blow the bar uh, just 20 feet over the crossbar in the first minute. I mean, you, you had to be... Oh, was he? He was offside. Yeah, he was... I mean, I made a loud gasp when he did it. Oh, it was sickening. Even though he was offside, still you keep like that's you got to do better, man. Get yourself um, over the ball there, like just get your torso over it. I'd rather him hit it on target and it gets blocked on the line. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just pass it in if you have to. Um, <sighs> in the seventeenth, Levi Colwell found Mudrick moving towards the goal, uh, but in the center, he played a lovely outside of the foot chip pass to Mudrick, who chested it down, takes his time, and filthily nutmegs. Burned Leno, his first goal in 10 long, lonely months in the Premier League. Well done, Mudrick. Very nice finish. In the next minute, the 18th, Cole Palmer played Broya through, and he finishes. Unfortunately, the play stemmed from a Tim Ream giveaway, just looking mm. like a deer in the headlights. What a mistake, but well done to Chelsea to finish this one. Uh, at the end of the day, Fulham looked brighter in the second half, but they never really threatened. Chelsea did well in defense, and they finally got some goals to show for their XG numbers. Matson smoked the ball into the post in the 62nd, and that should have been a third, but nothing doing. In the 76, Lukic had a great chance, but Robert Sanchez did well to smother it with his feet. Easy 2-0 for Chelsea against the team, who really had nothing going on besides Willian in terms of positive forward play. Uh, the things I got out of this, Jimenez washed... Yeah, very washed. Uh, Cole Palmer is looking like a normal starter in this current team. And Cucurella, right back or right center back, did his job on the day. Hopefully, Maurice James is back soon. And lastly, Carlos Vinicius needs to be arrested. Yeah. That karate <laughs> chop on Tiago Silva. How he didn't get sent off is a mystery to me within the, in the era of VAR. Mm. Um, absurd. Um, and uh, as I've heard recently, Bob Sanchez in goal. Oh, he's Bob. Uh, I just heard one guy call him Bob. I was I was cringing, but oh, Robert Sanchez, be. Bobby Sanchez, Bobby San. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But yeah, he's looking solid. Some people are saying a bargain. I'm not there yet. We'll see how he does against the big teams coming up soon. We got Arsenal in two weeks. So yeah, when that comes, maybe we'll start hopping on that bandwagon. But. Yeah, uh, Enzo Fernandez cannot score. Doesn't yeah, who. he played well, he too. That's fine. He can play well. He can be a creator. But when he's shooting on goal, he is is bad. Um, yeah, shambolic. Caicedo's fitness is looking better. He's playing to what he actually is. Uh, we can let, start hearing less of that. Um, I think it just ultimately comes down to Fulham not being here on the day. I think a Fulham at full strength gives us a solid competition. Mm. Maybe it goes similar to this, but... 
We scored the goals early, so it changed up their game plan immediately, which is nice. We didn't have to sweat it out, which is is, is nice to watch for once. Um, I was delivering on the day, and when Mudrick scored, I literally jumped in the air, gave a Harry Kane fist bump, to, like, <laughs> made sure nobody was looking. Yeah, um, I'm just happy for him. As soon as I saw the graphic, the 006 graphic, I was like, "Oh, he's due because he can't get to seven. It's, he cannot get to seven um, yeah. for the memes." So yeah, um, Fulham on the day didn't show up. Chelsea did enough to get it done, and we move on to Burnley this weekend, where we need another three points to get back into. Europe, European chase. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Burnley, Burnley 2, Luton 1 was the final game uh, of the week. It was a double week for them. Uh, Lyle Foster with a goal and stoppage time of the first half, the 45th. Uh, Elijah Adebayo leveled it in the 84th for Luton, and then Jacob Brun Larson with a goal in the 85th. Very even game, but Burnley take all three points. Yeah, the pre-match coverage, I think 80% of it was on the the Liverpool footage. The yeah, I know. This bar. was like an afterthought, this game. I, I yeah. watched it, but, you know. It's it, it's a massive result for Burnley, getting mm-hmm. their first win over the team they came up with that they competed with all year, first and second in the championship. Or no, Sheffield did, sorry. They, these, this Luton was the playoff winners. But um, there were a lot of shots, 18 to 14 in Luton's favor, but only three and four on target. Lyle Foster coming back massive. He scored three of Burnley's six goals, I think, this year. And after he missed the last two games, it was huge for them. Sander Berg looks solid in the middle. Uh, the defense didn't have to do too much. Um, Trafford still a bit sketchy in there. He's still trying to command that box at only 20 years old. He needs to grow up pretty fast if they want to stay up. And for Luton, it's just... Issue after issue, their chance creation is very limited. They mm-hmm. don't have the ball, the, the technical players in there to create stuff on their own. Nakamba and Panzu are more sixes rather than eights or tens. And they really rely on their wing play, similar to how Chelsea does at full form um, in Doughty and Kabore to really get up and down the wings and whip balls into the front three there, who couldn't find the back of the net uh, enough to win the game. Uh, Adebayo had to come off the bench to get one, so... Um, Carlton Morris is looking like a solid player for them. He's going to have, I think he gets at least eight to 10 goals, but ultimately is that going to be enough to keep them up? And it's looking like, no, if they can't beat Burnley here at home. Yeah. Um, okay. Shall we move to our picks for next week? Uh, do you want to do good and worst player of the week? Yes, yes, yes. Let's do that first. All right. Um, I guess starting off with the good player of the week brought to you by Eli Polder. Hey, I'm the best man. I did it. Yeah, it, it, it's different in the morning. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, I'll go first. I'm going to give mine uh, to Mr. Jared Bowen. I think he's had a really hot start to the season. Uh, got to give him some credit here. He's looked absolutely clinical in front of goal. Scored a great goal here. Uh, first one at home. I think he's just been ad- absolutely instrumental. Uh, him and Ward Prowse and even Antonio, he's been getting involved in the link up as well. Uh, very good start from Jared Bowen. And I'm going to give my uh, best player of the week to to him. Yeah, Zach's going with Joachim Anderson. Mm-hmm. He says sturdy at the back. Excellent goal. Clean sheet at Old Trafford. Um, that's probably not a good feeling for him to put that way against his own team. Yeah. Uh, as well as he benched him on his fantasy team, and he would have won him the week again. So issues there for him. Uh, me, it's pretty easy. I'm going with Ollie Watkins. Hat-trick, yeah. credited for two assists. 
historic day for him. Uh, he's been due for this for a long time. He's their main number nine, whether they brought in Diaby and Leon Bailey and other players in the past. He's always been their man. And for him to stand out on the day was massive against a team that uh, a lot of people didn't credit it, that didn't have the um, favor to win here. So, yeah, got to go with Ollie Watkins. Okay. All right. And then on the flip side from Stephen A., Evan, who do you think had the worst? I I, day? I I gotta give it to Tim Ream. The guy looked oh, lost. The guy looked absolutely that, lost all day. That hurts. That really. Hurts. I know it hurts, and I like Ream. Um, giving up that second goal was just that's that's really really tough. Um, he looked like he had no idea where he was. He might be in the concussion protocol. Uh, we may have a two attack of our lowest situation here. Uh, somebody needs mm-hmm. to check on him, but. Uh, I thought that was an absolutely horrific performance uh, by Fulham's defense, and they probably could have stayed in that game if it was just 1-0. Instead, they gave up that second one, and uh, Chelsea kind of were able to just sit back. So that's uh, that, that's got to go to Mr. Tim Ream. I'm, I'm very sorry to do that to him, but uh, we got to be fair and, and balanced on this show. Yeah, that's fair. No bias here. Um, Zach's going with Marcus Rashford, similar to his good player in the same match. Rashford, he put selfish play and lack of confidence. Um, he, you can't rely on him to be the main man, it seems at times. And they don't really have anybody else at the moment to take that spotlight away from him. Uh, for me, there's a lot of options here, but I think I'm going to have to go with Erling Holland. Um, the guy is expected to score 40 goals in a season and only get 15 touches in a match where they needed him at their at most, and he couldn't provide for them. So you don't really, you're not going to hear that a lot on here. Erling Holland being the worst player of the week, but only getting 15 touches on the ball in 90 plus minutes, almost 100 minutes, is is hard to imagine from somebody that's going to be up there for Ballon d'Or every year. So go with Erling. Yep. Okay. Um. All right. Now we can go to our um picks for the week uh first game oh wow luton have the shortest rest um luton versus tottenham on saturday october 7th and 7 30 uh i'll go first i'm gonna take tottenham in this one yep zach and i are taking spurs as well it's gonna be interesting to see spurs go from their top class new stadium to luton which is to their credit, they renovated it to get up to the minimal standards, but is a is a is a step down from what they're used to at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Um, okay. Fulham versus Sheffield United. Matt, who do you have in that one? This is going to be tricky with Fulham playing the way they are, with the lack of confidence they have, and have no competent number nine at the moment. It's going to be a slobber knocker here, but I think Fulham squeak one. Uh, with like a one nil here and Zach's going to go with Sheffield on the opposite end. Okay. Um, I'll go with a draw. This game's got under written all over it. Both of these teams have been stinky. Um, I'll take, I'll take a draw. Okay. Uh, Burnley versus Chelsea up next. I'll take Chelsea against Burnley here. Yeah. I'm really worried here for just based off company and what he's done to us in the past, but, uh, uh, you have to go with Chelsea here. Zach is as well. It's at Burnley, which they haven't been the best at home this year. And hopefully we can keep up this win streak going into uh, a North or a London Derby in the next matchup. Yeah. 
Um, okay, and then we have Manchester United versus Brentford up next. Who do you have there? Tricky one. Tricky, tricky. Um, a lot can happen here if it's a negative result for United. But I'm going to back United here. I think when their back's against the wall, they somehow find a way to weasel their way out of it. Uh, Zach, on the other hand, is going to take a draw. Okay. Uh, I'll take United. I think, like you said, they're, they're going to weasel out and, and somehow get a win here. Uh, maybe Rashford will show up for the first time all season. Uh, okay, Everton versus Bournemouth up next. Uh, you can give me Everton in that one. I think they bounce back. Uh, Bournemouth just looks so lost. They look really uh, strange uh, when defending balls in the box. I think if Ducora gets on to one, he can score. So I'll take Everton. Zach agrees with you. He's taking Everton. Uh, I'm still not there yet with them. I'm going to take a draw. I think Bournemouth get some th- something out of this game here, but not a win. So go with a tie there. Okay. Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest. Taking Palace outright. Zach's mm-hmm. going with a draw. Yeah, I'm going with a draw too. Uh, Ez is out. He's going to be out for six weeks. Wait, uh, what? Yep, six, six weeks. That's the Are word. Are you serious? Yes, I'm, I'm quite serious. He's on my fantasy team. Uh, I didn't even know that. Something with his hamstring. Uh, that was oh the report. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I have to go with the draw here. I, oh, I'm changing my pick. I'm going Forest. You're gonna go Forest, okay? Yeah, I just I cannot see, um, Palace being as threatening in attack without Ezra. That's gonna be a serious issue. So, um, I will. He's out. Let's say out. Lerma out. Yeah, it's a serious problem. So I'll go with the draw. I think they have enough uh, in Mateta and and Edouard to maybe nick a goal, but uh, I can't see them winning the game outright. No way. So draw for me. We're really going to see Roy have to do his job now. Yeah, that's a huge loss, man. As has been been just absolutely stunning this season so far. Um, that one hurts them for sure, and hurts me as well. Mm. Uh, okay, Brighton versus Liverpool up next. I'll take Liverpool there. Uh, I think they're going to be feeling extremely hard done by after last week. Hopefully, they're not distracted because that could be a problem. Uh, but I think you know if they're going to be ready. They're going to be scoring goals, and Brighton just looked terrible against Villa last week. And Liverpool are certainly a better team than Villa. So I'll take them uh, to win the game outright. Zach and I agree. We're both taking Liverpool. Okay. Uh, West Ham versus Newcastle. This is a tough one. Uh, Who do you have here? This is going to be a battle. Mm, I'm I'm taking West Ham. I'm going to take an upset here. I think that they they know who they are. And they sit there the most concrete lineup every week. And I think JWP next one here. So I'm going to go with West Ham and Zach agrees too. I'm going to take a draw. I think this is hard fought. I can see a 1-1 or a 2-2. If Newcastle control the ball, West Ham are going to be very threatening on the counter. They could definitely score um, against the Newcastle side, who definitely have more holes this year than last. Uh, I think think a draw is very in line for this one. Wolves versus Aston Villa up next. Wolves looking super threatening on the counter, but Villa just looking unbelievably complete last week. I'll go with Villa in this one. I think they get the job done. I'm taking Villa as well. So is Zach. I think this is going to be a weird one where I think Villa might just choke, bottle it again, just out of nowhere, similar to how Brighton is at times. So, But I think I'm going to ride the hot, the, the hot hand here with Ollie Watkins and go with Villa. Okay. Uh, and then Arsenal versus Manchester City, final game of the week. So much on the line here. Uh, it's your pick. Saka's out. 
There's so many injuries. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. Saka and Martinelli for yeah. Arsenal. It's a cross City. Game. City, no Rodri, no um, De Bruyne. Bernardo yep. Silva and Stones might be back. Uh, Zach's taking City. I'm no. going to take City. I'm taking City, too. It's just, you got to... Arteta can't beat his dad. Yes, he can. He's going to do it this weekend. I'm taking Arsenal. I hope so, because then it makes the season more interesting. I cannot just, wait, dude. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for your sake. I'm, but, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to take the city train here. I canceled my tea time. I'm not playing in my normal oh. Sunday forcing foursome. I, I can't risk not being home in time. Uh, they're also punching the greens. That has something to do with it. I will be there no matter what. <laughs> I will be posted up. In, in maybe two two Arsenal jerseys. I might put on my throwback Highbury kit. I might throw on the Bergkamp. I might throw on the Saka. I might wear all of them. If I'm able to, I might have to come over and watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got to link up for this one. I'm excited. I'm taking Arsenal. I think they win this game. All right. I'm hoping so. I hope right. I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is everything from us. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. All past episodes of the show are located on SoundCloud. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again. We will see you guys next week.